Do you want to turn over your service sheets, folks? On the back is, is the, uh, the text that we're going to be looking at this morning from Deuteronomy chapter 5. And uh, we're at the fifth commandment out of ten, so I guess this means we're about halfway through. So there you go. Let's read it together. It's God's word. Deuteronomy 5, verse 16. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. We've subtitled this series, Living as People of Love, Justice and Purpose. And, and the reason for that is that if we take seriously the Ten Commandments and, um, and see them not just as an ancient law code for a Hebrew people many thousands of years ago, but we see them as actually having real relevance and, and bite and life in our own lives as community and, and, and as individuals, then if we take these seriously and start living them out, we too will become a people of love, justice, and purpose. And that's, that's why it's called that. But you might be thinking, goodness me, um, how, how does this particular commandment actually be relevant for us today uh, in our society? Um, and, and how do we actually become a people of love, justice, and purpose if we start honoring our fathers and mothers? Um, so we're going to have a little look at this and, and think a little more deeply this morning about the commandment. And as we've been doing over the last few weeks, we're going to be examining the whole of the Old Testament, or just an overview of the Old Testament on this commandment. And then we're going to be looking at some of the New Testament. What does the New Testament have to say about it? And that helps us to understand it. And then we're going to be looking ourselves at how do we then apply this and live this out today as a church and as individuals in the 21st century. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and it might go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Uh, I don't know if it comes across to you a little bit as a drab commandment. Um, some of them are, are, are um, a bit more exciting maybe, you know, uh, don't make yourself any f- false idols, you know, that's, that's Kind of exciting, I guess. But um, you know, honoring your father and mother maybe just sounds a little dull, a little boring. How did that get onto the top 10 of, of the all-time you know, highlight lists of God's laws? Um, but actually, it occupies a, a, a priority position within the 10. Uh, we've been uh, looking at the last four weeks of the first four commandments. And traditionally, um, theologians and commentators have called that the first table of the law. And what we're looking at this morning begins the second table of the law. You don't find these words in the Bible, by the way, but that's just how people have traditionally understood it. What are these two tables, you say? Well, the first one uh, refers to um, the, the sort of the vertical relationship between God and his people. So I am God, there is no other. You shall not make any idols out of, out of me and try and worship me through other unauthorized means. You shall not use my name in vain. You've got to you know, spend one day in seven in rest, honoring me and my name and my rest. And that's all sort of a, a vertical thing. And then beginning with the fifth commandment and, and finishing off then the rest of the commandments is a sort of horizontal thing. How do we treat one another? How are we to live together in our relationships as people, uh, as a community of faith in society within our families? And, uh, and if you take it like that and you think of the second table here, honoring your father and mother is up there at the top. It's, it's, it's the number one uh, commandment on that horizontal level. So it's important. The Bible uh, in, in consider this incredibly important. And yet for us today, as I say, we look at this sometimes and we think, how did that even make it onto the top ten, let alone how does it occupy the most important in the, in the horizontal relationships, our interactions? 
So we're going to think about that in a little more depth and try and understand why it was such a, an important thing for the people of Israel and therefore uh, for us. Obviously, I think, I think, well, hope is obvious. Uh, culturally, historically, things are very different today than they were back in the ancient Near East at the time. We're talking about four or 5,000 years ago when these, uh, uh, the people of Israel... Um, were, were receiving the law and you know, were wandering around the wilderness and entering the promised land. So a long time ago in a different part of the world, in the, in the Middle East or the ancient Near East, um, so things were very different then to what they are now. How are they different? Well, in the ancient Near East, in, in, for the people of Israel and for other um, parts of the world as well, around that time, society was strongly organized around family. Family was everything. It was your identity. It was your all. Everything about you, um, rather, everything important about you came from your connection to your family. Um, family in, in the ancient Near East, and for, for the people of Israel particularly, uh, included not just a mom and dad and a couple of kids, but mom, dad, a couple of kids, older generations, even younger generations, broader generations, you know, multiple siblings and, and, and their children and families. So when we think of families in, in the ancient Near East setting, it's, it's a wider group of people. And, and people, by and large, back in those days, did not stray from their families. Um, if you were a man or a male, you, you're born a male, you know, you were, you were to learn the trade of your father. So if your father was a herdsman, you too would learn how to become a herdsman. If he was a carpenter, you would learn to become a carpenter. If he was a harvester, you'd be a harvester. That's just how it was. There, there wasn't much cross-pollination. Uh, if, you're, if you're married a girl, sorry, if you're, if you're, if you're a girl, um, then you would be uh, married off effectively to another, go and join another family so that you could be part of uh, growing and developing and, and sustaining that family by you know, having children and making the home and all, all that kind of thing. It's very traditional, uh, patriarchal society, and that's how uh, Israel existed for many hundreds, if not thousands of years. But the family for these ancient Near East peoples, and the, the Hebrews particularly, um, was a source of stability. It was a place of justice, because the young and the old, and those almost on the the, the fringes, they were cared for. That's where they found their love and their identity and their acceptance in their families. Not only that, it was a place of, of, of health care. That's where you went. That's, that's where your health needs were looked after to the best of their abilities within the family. You didn't go to a hospital or, or see the, the nurse or the treatment room. It's all dealt with in-house because that's all they had. So we've got your source of stability, your source of health. It was your source of economic well-being. That's how you earned your money, through the family business and, and operating through the family trade. If you left the family, it's essentially uh, career suicide, if not you know, physical suicide. It's very difficult to exist aside from your family. You put care in when you're able to do that, and as you, you know, go through various stages of your life, you receive care out, and it all came from the family. Family was incredibly important. And I guess it doesn't take... Um, a genius to work out that things are, are very different today in our modern Western technological society. We, we are what you would describe as an upwardly mobile society. Uh, generally speaking, and you know, let's make some generalizations here, um, children sort of, uh, you know, are born into a, a family, uh, they go through school, and when they reach a certain age, they will go off and maybe get an education somewhere else. They'll leave home to go and get an education, or they'll leave home to go and start work and, and make up, you know, make their own family somewhere else. 
But that's, that's what we do. We don't tend to stick together quite so much. We tend to fly the nest. Obviously, there's variation. This happens more if you're a family based in an urban setting than if you're in a rural setting. Rural settings tend to be more traditional, perhaps slightly more like the ancient people of Israel. You know, you learn the trade, you stay at home, you don't go too far. There's variation as well between the, you know, the various socioeconomic uh, classes or status. If you're sort of middle class, you tend to have more opportunities available, a better access to education, and, and, and away you go, and, and you're more likely to flee the nest. Whereas, you know, for, if you're from a working community, uh, you're more likely to stay closer in general. But as I say, by and large, we're an upwardly mobile society. It's the needs of the individual. If your family works for you to help you progress to where you want to be, then you can stay. If it doesn't work for you and you need to go and fly and spread your wings, then you can go. That's how it is for us today in general. But sadly, families are not always the source of stability and that we hoped and wish they would be. Our, 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 our society is becoming increasingly sort of fractured. There's high rates of divorce, um, high rates of you know, single parents struggling to bring up families on, on their own. Um, this, this concept of blended families is also uh, very common these days, where, where children from different families, you know, different um, partners and all that come together and live under the same home. So this is very much a non-traditional society compared to what we're reading here in the Old Testament and what we see in the ancient Near East. So the question that we're going to be looking at a little later on is how then do we apply the, this commandment to ourselves? How then do we um, honor our father and mother in a, in a very different cultural setting? But back to the Old Testament, it's pretty clear, not just in the law books, but throughout the Old Testament, that it's important to honor your parents because your parents are worthy of honor. Uh, Deuteronomy goes on a little bit further in Deuteronomy, uh, sorry, in Exodus 21, it says this, if you strike your father or mother, right, if you hit them, you'll be put to death. Whoever curses their father or mother shall be put to death, right? The death penalty is attached to those things. The family for the Old Testament was the building block of the whole nation, the whole of society. If the families in that nation are strong, then the nation itself is strong. If the families are falling apart and are badly organized and all that, then the, the, the tribe of Israel itself will suffer. Later on, we see in the, in the wisdom literature, particularly in the book of Proverbs, things like this. Proverbs 23, 22 says, listen to your father who gave you life. This is directed to, to children. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. All right? Listen. Don't despise your mom when she's old. I love this one. Proverbs 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks the father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. There you go. But it just places, all of this together, places a high emphasis on the honor and the worthiness of honor of our parents. But aside from the cultural reasons why this law was put into place, there is a deeper, a greater theological reason why it was so important to have this command occupying this place in the ten. Because we can't miss this. God is our father. And the Old Testament shows that time and again. In fact, 
Nowhere is the fatherhood of God seen more beautifully than at the beginning of Hosea chapter 11, one of the Old Testament prophets that says this. This is God speaking about Israel, and he refers to Israel as his son. He says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of, Israel, out of Egypt I called my son. It was I that taught Israel to walk, taking them by the arms. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. This is God using father language to describe his relationship with his people Israel, taking them from slavery in Egypt, bringing them through the wilderness, putting them into the promised land, just like a father would tenderly love and care for a small child. So does God care for his people. God protects because he's our father. He loves because he's our father. He nourishes us because he's our father. He nurtures and defends and blesses. God does this and more for his people. And so parents are called to mirror the love of God the Father to their children. Parents, mother and father, are God's chosen means for, for bringing up young to fear and to know God. They are appointed over us to nurture us and grow us as people. Our parents, of course, are not always good, but by nature of them being parents, they are chosen. And so we honour our parents because of who has called them, not necessarily always because they're perfect and because of their character. So we've seen the commandment, and we've thought about how it's a bit different for us today in terms of culturally, but how it's so important for the ancient Near East. And we've seen a little bit about how God himself shows himself as our father. He is our father. And that's the, the thing that, that really sets the bar for us. So that's the commandment, honor your father and mother. But as we saw last week, you can't just therefore skip from the Old Testament directly to us and say, right, go and do likewise. We have to think, how does the New Testament understand this commandment? Does it? Does it even talk about it? Is it relevant for us as Christians, or is it one of those ones we just sort of uh, leave by the wayside? Well, according to the Apostle Paul, um, who is always worth listening to, he, he says no. He says this commandment here is, is very relevant, very important. He picks it up in, in one of his letters. He writes uh, to the, 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 the Christian church uh, in Ephesus, and he picks up this commandment, and he says, yes, this applies to Christians. This applies to people in the church. You don't get to just uh, walk away from this because this is an Old Testament commandment. Let's look at see and see what he says here in Ephesians 6, verse 1 to 3. He says, children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first command, commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Just as a slight aside, um, there's a, a neat little phrase that says, the New Testament in the Old is concealed, the Old Testament in the New is revealed. Have you heard of that? dates back to a guy called St. Augustine from the 5th century. And what he's saying is that the, 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 the gospel of Jesus is, is, is sort of packed away. It's hidden away in the Old Testament. It's there, but it's like a seed that's been placed in the ground. And it's only when you read the New Testament, you go back and you realize, aha, that's what it meant. And likewise, to really understand the Old Testament scriptures is revealed by reading the New Testament. The New Testament and the Old is concealed. The Old Testament and the New is revealed. 
And so that's what we see Paul doing here. He's still committed to uh, the law, to the Ten Commandments, and its relevance in the Christian church. But what's the difference? What does Paul say there? Children. He's addressing children, right, who are still at home, still with mum and dad. Um, He's saying, children, obey your parents. This is key. In the Lord. In the Lord. What does that mean? What does it mean to obey your parents in the Lord? Because if we get our head around that, then we can start to see the relevance of this for us and why we should live it out as people in the church, people of faith. Well, um, that's from Ephesians chapter 6, but that's really at the tail end of this big section that Paul begins in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm just going to summarize it for you. He says this uh, at the beginning of this new section in this letter to this group of Christians in Ephesus in Turkey. He said, be imitators of God because you're children of God. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. That's how he starts. And then he gives all these ethical uh, guidelines about how we should therefore live in response. But he says, imitate God because you're children of God. You bear the likeness of your father. You should behave like him. All right. And also, love as Christ loved you and gave himself up for you. Right? And that's, that's the important bit. Christ Jesus in the gospel gave himself up for you so that you could become a child of God. That's what we were singing earlier, right? And Paul says, we've got to get this straight first because once that's in place, then suddenly it has real implications about how we live in families and how we live uh, with other people. And so then he goes through a series of relationships, husbands and wives, uh, and um, you know, he talks about uh, children and parents and then slaves and masters, you know, having staff in your home, I suppose. How do we relate to one another? We do it because we are children of God, because Jesus has given himself for us. And he says, in view of Christ, therefore, because of what Jesus has done, we are not less committed to the Old Testament laws, but we're more committed in many ways. And so Paul, when we get down to this section here in Ephesians 6, um, takes the fifth commandment that we're looking at today, and he applies it to everybody, not just for Israel, but for everybody in the church. And he says, if you get this, then this will bring you and your church and your family and your nation peace. It will bring you um, justice. It will bring you, uh, you know, an ability to commend the good news of Jesus in the gospel if you live this out. That's how important this is. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. It's because of Jesus. That's why you do it. That's why, that's how it looks. Honor your father and mother. By the way, um, children learn their faith from their parents. By and large, children learn their faith from their parents. There was a study um, of several thousand 16-year-olds done a few years ago in a youth group, and they asked them to rank. They had three free options Uh, They could rank as many or as little as they wanted. Uh, Rank the most important people that have influenced you in your faith in Jesus Christ. Right, they were Christian kids. And, uh, of course, they're they're sitting in youth groups, so we we think to ourselves, maybe the youth leader would score high, maybe the pastor of the church would score high. No. The pastor of the church scored number 13, 13th most important person to a young person's faith. The youth leader came a bit better. He, he or she got ninth in the list of important people. 
from the ages of 0 to 16. Do you know who came first? Mum. Do you know who came second, close behind? Dad. And then grandparents. And then friends. It was the church staff that were way down the list. Mum and dad, you are the most significant people in your children's lives when it comes to them developing their faith in Jesus Christ. How serious you are about the faith, how committed you are to attending church, what the faith of Jesus looks like in the real world, they won't learn that from anyone else except you from the ages of 0 to 16, or rather you'll be the most dominant and important people. If you look at yourself and your faith, you can expect that to be reflected in your children. If you are passionate for Jesus, if you talk about him all the time, if you're praying with your family, if you are love the church, then that makes it incredibly easy and wonderful for your children to also follow in your footsteps. If you're lukewarm about the church and come once a month and doesn't really change much about your life, doesn't occupy much of your conversation or your budget or anything you do, then your kids are only at best going to develop a lukewarm faith. I wonder if you're doing okay. We want Foundation Church to be a place where parents are empowered and encouraged and equipped to bring their kids up in the fear of the Lord. We want to do that together as a community, whether we have kids of our own or whether there's other kids. We want to help one another and bless one another as we do that through multiple conversations and friendships and relationships. We are a gospel-centered, spirit-empowered community on mission. That's what we are as a church. And our relationships will reflect the gospel. They will reflect our understanding of the gospel. And let's face it, folks, sometimes the most difficult relationships that we will ever have occur within our families. For better or worse, you know, sometimes the most difficult relationships occur within our families. And yet God is our Father. The gospel is our motivation. And the Spirit is our power to show grace and to demonstrate the love of the gospel through our families. Obey your mother and your father. He does go on, by the way, and say it's not on the slide. Maybe I should put it on. It says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Don't bring, or, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It goes both ways. So we've seen a bit of the Old Testament commandment and, and how that's understood more broadly culturally. We've seen God as our Father. We've seen the New Testament doesn't set that aside. In fact, it, it takes it up a gear. It says, be imitators of God because Jesus has given himself to you. This is how you should live. So let's spend uh, the, the closing moments together then as we're looking at this commandment thinking, how does this then play out for us um, practically? How do we live this out? And, and, and really what I'm going to give you just now is some practical sketches, okay? It's not all you need to know about this. Um, there is so much more. But I just want to get the uh, conversation started and, um, you know, get the ball rolling, so to speak. So how do we honor our parents? Um, for, I'm, I'm going to put this in terms of whether you're a child, whether you're a teenager, uh, if you're an adult, um, and what, what about, you know, uh, elderly parents, very old Parents, how do, how, do we, how do we respond? Just some thoughts, just some sketches, really. First of all, if you are a child, and let's say a child is someone who's under the age of 18, how do you honor your parents? How do you obey Jesus, and I'm sorry, obey God, and, and honor Jesus as a child? Well, 
Paul makes it real clear right there, doesn't he? He says, obey your, children, your, your parents in the Lord, for it is right. It's right. It's the right thing to do, to listen to mom and dad and do what they say. Because it says, when you do that, it will go well for you, that you may live long in the land. All right? You're going to have a good and full life. Peaceful. It will do well. Your mom and dad want the best for you. They will provide for you. They want, to, they want to nourish you, which means they want to give you uh, things that are going to help build you up and be healthy and strong and independent. They want you to be safe. So therefore, it makes great sense to listen to what they say and to follow them. You know, the definition of a father, sometimes put like this, he's the person who keeps photos in his wallet where there used to be money. Have you heard of that? Your mom and dad will sacrifice for you they will give up their money for you. They want the best for you. So honor them. Obey them because of Jesus in the Lord. So maybe you need to think about practical ways that you can obey mom and dad and honor them around the house. Simple things to show that you love them and you want to uh, you know, live under their care and their leadership. Maybe cleaning the dishes once in a while wouldn't kill you. Or tidying up your bedroom is totally a good thing to do. And maybe do that without being asked a million times. It's awesome to do that. That's one way that you can think about honoring and obeying your parents because they love you and they want the best for you. Okay, so maybe you're a bit older. Maybe you're an adolescent or someone who's sort of getting towards being an adult. You're in senior school or, or um, you know, 16 to 18 years old. It's a bit more difficult, right, as you grow up. Um, it wasn't that long ago that I was in this situation, maybe longer than I realized, but you know, when you start progressing to becoming an adult, you're, you're starting to become more independent, you're starting to think for yourself, although you're not fully ready right, to go into the adult world. You know, When I was 16 years old, I used to think my parents knew nothing, and I knew it all. Right? And as it goes, you know, as, as I get older, I realize that I knew nothing, and my parents knew a lot more than I gave them credit for when I was 16. You know, they're pretty uncool, they're pretty embarrassing, they're pretty out of touch with everything that's good and right about the world. That's what we think when we're 16 or 17 years old. And yet, folks, and yet, even if you think that about your parents, you'll come to realize it's wrong, but even if you think that about your parents, they are still worthy of honor and respect, right? Because they are wiser than you realize. They have got more life under their belts than you do, they know things that you don't, so don't be an idiot. You know, don't be an idiot. If you're staying up late, if you're hanging out with friends, you know, um, listen still to your mom and dad. Respect them because they are over you in the Lord and because it is right and it will go well with you. Okay. Now let me address then the majority of people in this room right now. Adult, adults. Say you're, you're an adult, which means you're 18 or more. Um, you know, you've got a job or... Uh, you know, your own house and all that sort of stuff. Um, what do you do? Everyone has parents. Everyone has parents at some point in their lives or even parental figures, you know. Um, no one is exempt from this command as long as your parents are alive. Whether you even were brought up in the care, you know, uh, in the care system, you know, if you were brought up by grandparents, if they had more influence over your life than your own parents, uh, parents, maybe you're adopted, maybe you were fostered, maybe you're brought up by a, a single parent, you never knew one or other of your, of your biological parents. This command still applies to you. 
because those who adopt the parental role in your life, whether it is parents or grandparents or other family members or influential people from your church or from outside, they have brought you up. They have made you who you are. And so therefore, they are worthy of respect under this commandment. But how do you do that? How do you do that? Because as we were thinking earlier, we're from an upwardly mobile society. Maybe you've moved out of your home uh, where, you, where you were brought up. Maybe you, you're, you're off, you know, you're living at university and you're away from home. Maybe you have your place of your own, your own kids, your own family. So many changes, right, in life and so many different situations and stages. And so it's hard to be prescriptive. I'm not going to be prescriptive because it looks different for each person. Every family has their own sort of little mini culture about how, how this works out. I was actually at work a few weeks ago and one of the nurses on the ward said that she phones her mom two or three times a day which for her is apparently normal when she's done it. She's a woman in her 40s and she does that every day, two or three times a day. I, I phone my mom about two or three times a month. And uh, maybe that's, I'm a bad son and maybe I need to repent for my sins and that's, I'll do that right now. But, uh, you know, families are different. Families operate differently. They have different values. So what might be right for one family is maybe, you know, different or, or odd or weird for another family. And that's okay. But how do we, with all that in place, how do we um, honor our, our father and mother? What do we do? You may no longer be a child, but you're still a son or a daughter of somebody. Parents, even as, as adults and when you're an adult, still are able to share life with you. They still have wisdom to give to you. Maybe the center of priority in your own life has changed to your own family and your own marriage, if you're married, etc. But parents are still worthy of respect. This is definitely an area that I need to try a bit harder in myself. So I'm certainly not giving out the, uh, you know, um, the, uh, the, the commands like I've got it all figured out, because I certainly don't. But how does that look for you? Honoring and respecting your parents even as they grow older. What about if you have elderly parents who are infirm or who are sick or just very, very old and need a lot of care? Is it okay to, to put them into a, a nursing home? You know, on the basis of this command, should we keep all of our elderly parents at home uh, for all their lives? Are we, are, we, are we disobeying God if we start to, to use the care system and all that? Um, well, let me speak to that. In the Old Testament times, as, as we were seeing earlier, the family was the nursing home. The family was the care home. There was no other options. So elderly uh, family were, were kept you know, with, within the, uh, the wider family circle and, and within the home uh, for as long as required. But what do we do today? How do we both, both, respect, both, uh, both respect and dignify our elderly parents? Well, uh, sometimes it's just simply uh, needed, isn't it, for, for those who have multiple care uh, requirements to be in a nursing home or in a place where they can be best looked after. And that's not going to be in your home. So, and that's okay. Uh, we have this wonderful system available. Okay, it's not great in our, in our country, the NHS and all that, but um, it's, 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 it's very good and uh, at times can be really beneficial. So it's okay. We're not breaking the law if we arrange for care or, or sending our older relatives off you know, to nursing homes and all that. That's okay. As long as we're doing that, of course, of course, with their respect and honor uppermost in our hearts and minds, 
Uh, it's not just an excuse to give ourselves an easy time, um, but the best options for care for our elderly uh, relatives, where they can receive the most dignity as we listen to them. Before we uh, sign out and close off, I just want to address this other issue, which I, I believe comes up very frequently. And maybe for you, um, this is a really raw thing. What do we do in response to this commandment when our parents aren't the best, when they're not good people? Maybe they have abandoned us or abandoned their responsibilities for us somehow. What do we do? How do we live out this command? Are we somehow sort of um, able to forget this command? Are we exempt from it if we're terrible parents? Because there's no doubt about it, folks. We live in a, in a fallen world that is tainted by sin. And there is no such thing as a perfect parent, um, humanly speaking. All of us, even those who, who are trying to do the best, uh, can at times hurt our children. We can be sinful. We can abandon our responsibilities in, in many different ways. So how do we honor um, parents who have done that to us? Uh, we've been on the receiving end. How do we respect them? Let me just say this as, as, as we sort of um, summarize a little bit. Honoring our parents is not the same as saying that they are perfect. It is not the same as saying that nothing bad has happened. Honoring our parents and speaking well of them is not the same as plastering over the cracks and pretending everything is well when it is not. If there has been injustice within our families, we need to seek justice in the name of the Lord. If there has been sin in our families, it must be repented of. If there has been hurt in our families, it must be addressed appropriately. But with all those things in place, with all those things in mind, we are still called by this commandment to recognize that our parents, the parenthood that they have is based on God as our Father. And as such, we are called to respect them and honor them. We can't wait until they're perfect and until we start obeying this commandment. Obviously, that looks different for every situation, so I can't be prescriptive. But we have to think about ourselves, especially if we've come from difficult and challenging families. How do we honor God? How do we obey him? No matter how messed up our own parents may have been and how much they have messed up in the past. Because it is not okay, according to God's word, for us to dishonor our parents, to slander or gossip about them or to hate on them. I know, folks, that is incredibly difficult for many of us. And yet we are called to honor our father and mother so that it will, it will go well for us, for all of us, irrespective of our family background. Because in God's organization of society and his church, when we honor our father and mother, when they are honorable towards us, there is flourishing, there is peace, there is justice, there is love. It is a difficult task. It is more difficult than you realize at first glance when you read this commandment. It is more than just sending your mom a Mother's Day card, uh, you know, on time. It's more than that. It's a difficult task. We live in a broken world. There are imperfect parents and imperfect children, but, but... Obey your parents in the Lord. That is where the power comes from, folks. It's the grace of God. It's the gospel. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us the ability and the desire to obey this commandment, to live it out, and to enter into the promise that he has for us.